the pain on account of grief, on account of loss, is a pain that one has to go through as part of the natural he healing process. Not all pain is, is bad. In this case, it's part of the natural healing process. It's, it's pain that's, that's expressing how much we really care and cared and loved the one who's deceased. For people out there who are with friends or family members who are grieving, yeah, just be there, be present for them. Happy holidays, everyone. This is episode 8 of the Mind Care Podcast. I'm Janine, your host for today, and we are coming together for one last episode for the year 2021 as we discuss this holiday season. Now, whether historically it's been a time of joy or a major stressor for you, this year may also mark something different for many others. This pandemic has definitely taken a toll on us as a community and we find ourselves celebrating this time without our loved ones. Now, before we start, we have to acknowledge that death is in fact part of our natural lives, but the experience of grieving and mourning of those left behind is a very painful process. And to help us understand how we can navigate throughout this holiday season and adjust to a world without our departed, we are joined by our very own psychiatrist and bioethicist, Dr. Daphne Ong, who advocates for a holistic approach to the care of one's mental well-being. Happy holidays, Dr. Daphne. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks too for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here. So before we start, Dr. Daphne, can you introduce to us what grieving actually means? Okay, grief is a word that we usually hear, right? Uh, we can understand it in two contexts. One, it's a, uh, it's a reaction, okay? It's an intense emotional and even physical reaction that an individual experiences following the death of a loved one. Uh, while at the same time, it, it's a process. It's the process of adapting to a significant loss. It's the process of healing from that loss. And it's a normal process. I think that's one thing I'd want to emphasize here. It's a, it's a normal process. It's not a show of weakness. It's, it's not a sign of um, emotional yeah, weakness. It, it's a normal process of healing and adapting. Mm -mm. And you were saying that it is a process. So sometimes we hear, um, even in like social media and stuff like that, that there's such a thing as stages of grief. And um, what does it usually mean when you say stages? Okay, when we say stages, we refer to the, the stages that help us reach the level of acceptance. Well, this mm -hmm. was proposed by by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross when she mentioned the following stages. First, there may be some denial, some bargaining, some anger, some feelings of depression before one can reach that level of acceptance. Now, these stages don't have to go chronologically. Um, one can, can be first, second, or whatever. It's just that it's helpful for people to, to go through these stages. And by experience, people are noted to be going through these number of stages before they actually reach the acceptance part of grief. Mm, okay. And I'm assuming that during this process of grieving, that we eventually will feel some maybe signs of grief, that maybe we are feeling sad and other symptoms. What are usually expected when one is grieving? That's right, Janine. There are many possible symptoms 
what we call the possible reactions in grief. It may range from an emotional reaction, a cognitive or a thought reaction, or even a physical reaction. So emotional reactions are very common, like, of course, shock, disbelief, you know, feeling numb, denial, sadness, despair, loneliness, anxiety. Also common emotions are guilt and regret and even shame for some or anger, um, feelings mm -hmm. of resentment, uh, helplessness, security, fear. So a lot really of possible emotions. Uh, but some may also manifest physical reactions like fatigue, nausea, difficulties in sleeping, um, difficulties in eating or eating too much, or even symptoms of palpitations, restlessness, tremors, um, feeling lightheaded, really a gamut of possible physical, emotional reactions. Mm -mm. And given that this is the time of COVID, do you feel like in your experience of what you've seen around now, um, are people's experience of grief any different from before and now? I think so, Janine. We know that grief per se, grief in itself is a very painful process, right? Now, I, I think and I see it also from my patients that COVID made it more painful. COVID made it more difficult, the grief process. Why? Because, well, when it comes to grief, uh, the process is very individualized, mm -hmm. meaning there's no one template or one size for everyone. Just as there are many permutations of personalities and individual characteristics, so will it be for grief. Some people may be emotional, some may be more rational. It will depend on one's background, one's mindset, one's personality, and, and even the circumstances of the death. Now, when it comes to COVID, the, the fact that it happened during the pandemic and the many circumstances surrounding COVID Mm, the many circumstances make it um, doubly difficult or painful. Mm -hmm. For example, the fact that it's sudden for most families, no? that uh, the loss of life due to the coronavirus may be so sudden that there was not sufficient time for the family to prepare. And like when we're dealing with a death from a chronic illness, yeah. um, so sudden that really it gives you a shock. No? It gives you, it really stuns you. Mm -hmm. And there's barely time to, to, to find equilibrium, to find balance and coping. Due to the lack of quality time together, this makes the grieving process more difficult because we know that with COVID, usually the patients die alone or unaccompanied or just accompanied by a few in the hospital or in whatever institution such that the family members don't get the chance to, mm -hmm. to be there during the death process. So because of those restrictions, this can be very painful for the mm -hmm. families. And another thing that may contribute to this is due to the COVID and the many restrictions, we have noticed a decrease in the usual rituals that are very common in, in deaths, mm -hmm. right? Especially for us culturally yes. here in the Philippines. We, we like gatherings no? for these mm -hmm. gatherings, the memorials, the funeral services, the wakes. These traditional practices, they're very helpful in the adapting in the healing process because they allow the family members to speak about the deceased, to tell stories about the beloved who just passed. And that process of talking, of remembering can be very healing and helpful. So since we don't have that due to the restrictions of COVID, definitely the process will be um, more difficult and painful. Mm -mm. 
Definitely. Uh, one of the things you mentioned nga, is that because it comes as a shock, we don't have that adjustment period anymore to allow people to adapt. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, Kanina, you are mentioning a lot of different signs and symptoms, and it makes me wonder what differentiates those signs and symptoms from something like depression. With depression, well, um, number one, I guess the most important differentiating factor is depression is an illness. Okay, It's a medical condition, while grief is something normal. Even if you see reactions similar to that or similar to the reactions of depression, these reactions, we can call them ordinary reactions to so an extraordinary situation, normal reactions to so an abnormal situation. With depression yeah, and grief, both may manifest with sadness, but the sadness in grief is more focused or more specific to that sadness due to the loss of the beloved. Unlike the sadness of depression, it's like a free-floating, generalized sadness and mm -hmm. accompanied by loss of interest and pleasure and even symptoms of, you know, suicidality, hopelessness. Unlike with grief, yeah, there may be that sadness. There may, there may be that wish to die for some, but it's more of a wish to die so as to accompany the beloved, not really wanting death per se. So... Mm -hmm. Those are the, the major differences when we talk about depression versus grief. Mm -mm, okay. And given that this is parang a normal reaction to a natural event in life, no matter how painful, what yeah. can we do kaya, for ourselves to be able to cope with grief? To be able to cope? I think we need to understand that the, the grieving person has three important needs, Janine. One is they need to ventilate. They need to express their emotions. It's like steam building up inside due to that painful loss. They need to release, okay, to blow off that steam. Otherwise, it will accumulate and break, <laughs> break them. So they need to ventilate. And the easiest way to ventilate is to talk, okay? One of the best ways to help a grieving person is to give him or her a chance to talk. For, for people out there who are with friends or family members who are grieving, yeah, just be there, be present for them. Many times, Janine, I hear people asking me or um, saying that, Doc, it's so hard because we don't know what to tell the person. No? We, we're scared that mm -hmm. we may trigger the person. So sometimes we just, we just don't talk <laughs> or, or, or sometimes we just we just keep off, no? We just, um, it's hard no? to, to, it's hard because we may make a mistake or we may say something that will trigger the person. Actually, you don't need to worry about what to say because um, it's it's the grieving person who needs to talk anyway, no? Your, your presence yes. there, just by listening to that person, that in itself is, is a big, big help. Some people... Also, due to their concern for the grieving person, sometimes they're too quick to want to give advice or to want to relieve the pain of the other. Mm -mm. But sometimes this quickness may, be, may not be so helpful. And, and we understand why we have the tendency to be quick in these things because we don't, nobody likes pain, right? Mm -mm. When we see others in pain, being human, having empathy, we, we react. We don't want people experiencing that pain. So it's like instinct, natural instinct to us to want to relieve the pain of the other. However, we know that the grief or the pain 
on account of grief, on account of loss, is a pain that one has to go through as part of the natural he healing process. Not all pain is, is bad. In this case, it's part of the natural healing process. It's, it's pain that's, that's expressing how much we really care and cared and loved the one who's deceased. So it's a pain that, yeah, that we will, we will live, that the grieving per person will live. Mm -mm. And we, as the support system of the grieving person, we will be present and we will accompany the person as she or he goes through that grieving, painful uh, process. Mm -mm. So allow them to talk. Allow them to tell their stories over and over again. Allow them to express their thoughts and feelings openly in a safe space. And that's one. That's the first need mm -hmm. that we need to address in people who are grieving. The second need, Janine, is the need to regain some sense of control. This is very human and very basic for everyone. We need some minimum sense of control to feel at peace, right? And we know also that there are many things that we cannot control like death, number one. Hence, we will not waste energy and effort to those things that we cannot control. But since we need a minimum of sense of control so that we feel at peace and we're not so anxious, let's control what we can control and not attempt to control what we cannot. Mm -hmm. So for a person in grief, for example, the things that we can control, number one, how we live our schedule. Okay, to, to establish a simple routine of regular meal times, regular sleeping time. We can control what we put into that schedule of hours. You know? um, for example, to include more pleasant events, pleasant activities. This is what we call behavioral therapy. We try to lift our mood through engaging more in activities that are relaxing, enjoyable, restful, meaningful, creative. We promote self-care activities like exercise, um, time with family, what else? Another way um, to have control over what we can control is to try, in, in so far as we can, to try to compartmentalize worries. Because we know that during the grief process, we can be barraged by several worries and negative thoughts. So I find it helpful uh, to, to have a thought dump. And, and I see this work well for my patients, that they have like a notebook or a piece of paper there wherein they just dump their negative, unhelpful, worrying thoughts. And then when they find themselves in a better headspace, then they go back to those um, thoughts and see what they can work on. You know? To have some control over unhelpful thinking. Mm -hmm. okay, during this period of grief, um, it's so common for people to have unhelpful thoughts. Okay, what do I mean by this? Thoughts that can make you feel guilty. No thoughts like, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I should have done this. Regrets. I should have done this differently. I could have given more. Perhaps I didn't show my love enough. Okay, so these thoughts, they just give us a lot of guilt. No, they just give it a lot, a lot of regrets and that doesn't help at all. So with this, how do we take control over the unhelpful thoughts? Number one, to remember that thoughts are thoughts and to deal with them as such, okay? Thoughts, just because a thought is present, that doesn't automatically mean it's real. Doesn't automatically mean it's 
100% true. So that way we be mindful about the accuracy of those thoughts. For example, the thought that I didn't show my love sufficiently to my family member, or I, I had a lot of shortcomings, or I didn't give enough, I didn't love enough. So it's good to, to challenge that by asking ourselves, what, what proofs do I have to say that I didn't love the person enough? Okay? Or what proofs do I have to say that I didn't give my best? Or a simple question that may also help is to ask ourselves, what would my deceased family member tell me if she or he were here now? Or what would she or he want me to do, to think, to say? So hopefully by asking these questions, we can have a better control over those unhelpful thoughts. And lastly, the third need that we need to address and that can help the grieving person to adapt and to heal is to facilitate the adapting process, meaning that process of building a new life for themselves without the deceased. So here, it's helpful to get informed about the grief process. Whatever will help in understanding it, you know, um, read more stuff about it, ask the help of experts, watch videos about it, read books, whatever will help in understanding it. And I guess the most basic fact to help us understand is that the simple truth that naturally, by its nature, death is really difficult to understand and comprehend. So we wouldn't be surprised if we find it hard to comprehend. It's not a lack of intelligence on our part or a lack of whatever, a lack of strength. It's just that plainly, you know, naturally, death is, is hard to comprehend. Um, so we're just being normal by, by being in that position of finding it hard to understand. Okay, actually, these three points that you suggested are all very helpful. Um, one of the ones that really stuck with me was yung sa, ano, yung sa second one is being able to control the things that can be controlled. In a way, when we try to embark on these activities to help us get back to our normal daily lifestyle, what if we have tried those things, but we're finding it difficult to get up in the morning, to want to communicate to our loved ones and stuff like that. If you have tried everything and still the symptoms or the reactions are there persistent and most especially not just persistent, but they keep you already from functioning well, from living the life that you, that you love, from living the life that you want, or they are already very crippling and debilitating, then perhaps it's already going to be helpful to find to find help not to seek the help of mental health professionals it's possible or there's a chance that the person may already be experiencing what we call complicated grief or a persistent grief disorder with this condition the presence of a mental health professional can really be very helpful okay in what way one well the mental health professional can really help the individual to understand the grieving experience better the mental health professional can help identify barriers that the grieving person may be facing barriers that may be keeping the person from going through the healing process smoothly and most especially the mental health professional can help the grieving person develop strategies to be able to cope, to be able to regain that sense of control and to be able to adapt. So how will the mental health professional do that? Well, in many ways, depending on the individual needs of the person, but basically psychotherapy is number one. 
psychotherapy or talk therapy for one who is going through complicated grief or persistent grief disorder. And if needed, and I say this, if needed, um, emphasizing the if because it doesn't have to be the solution for, for many, if necessary, with the help of some medications, only when necessary. Thank you for that. One of the things that I wanted to ask was, Kanina, you were mentioning one of the ways we can tell that it might be something more is if there's a bit of an impairment in daily functioning. How do I know if, besides the impairment aspect, if maybe I'm grieving for too long? How long is long? Okay, how long is long? Okay, if it's persistent already for um, for a year, for example, oh. then that may be a complicated grief already. Mm-mm. And I guess that plays into factor that you were saying that the grieving process is individualized. For so, for some people, it could be a month, and for some people, more than a month, maybe half a year, whole year. Okay. Thank you for taking note. I I also want to emphasize that that it's a totally individualized process and individualized mm-hmm. reaction. Because I also see this in some patients wherein they feel guilty because they see their family members crying more <laughs> than, mm-hmm. than they do. So yeah. crying less doesn't mean that you love the, the, the deceased person less. Some people mm-hmm. may think, I'm crying less, perhaps um, I'm not, I, I didn't care that much for the deceased. No, no, it's totally individualized. We can't compare with, with the experience of one. Each one is entitled to her own grief process, even her own pace and, and time duration of the grieving process. Mm-mm, exactly. And in a way, when we think of the grieving process, not as an indication or like get, going through the grieving process, not as an indication of not loving the deceased any less, nor does it mean that we're starting to forget them, no. that they will always remain in our hearts, but we are just trying to go on with our natural process in life. Tama ba? Right, right, right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, is there any last words that you'd like to say, Dr. Daphne, to all of our listeners out there? To all our listeners, especially those who lost a, lov- a loved one during this period of the pandemic, especially due to COVID, definitely we all expect, and it's natural that you feel the pain, especially given the season that we are in now, the season of Christmas, because naturally, we're, and we're used to living Christmas and understanding and experiencing Christmas as a happy moment with family, with loved ones. So definitely, Having one family member less would be very painful, would be very heavy. So if you have that heaviness, if you have that pain, that's totally natural, that's totally normal. Again, that's a natural reaction to an abnormal situation. As we said, the pain will be there and the pain expresses how that person meant to you. That really, that person was part of your part of your person, part of your heart, such that when that person left, it's like it's like losing an arm, right? it's like losing an extremity. You feel the pain of that detachment. So it just expresses how much you love, you cared for, and how much that person meant to you whenever you feel that pain. It's, it's, a, it's a testimony to that. So um, we, we acknowledge the pain. And at the same time, we acknowledge also that there are solutions. There are solutions to make the, the painful process easier, or we can say more bearable. 
and and we have the solutions that we mentioned a while ago um, talking uh, regaining some sense of control finding ways to adapt with the help of other family members with the support systems and of course if needed with the help of our mental health professionals thank you so much dr Daphne. i'm very thankful and i'm sure all of our listeners are thankful for all of the pointers you have given and the understanding you've also provided even through a podcast, no? we, we sense that ano, the compassion in you. So yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Daphne. Welcome, Janine. Wow, this wraps up the 2021 Mind Care podcast episodes. We are so thankful to all of our listeners out there for joining us on this journey. It's been a privilege to be your host. And let me tell you, our team is so excited for 2022. We have a lot of content planned out for next year. So join us again as we continue to lessen sadness in the world, one podcast at a time. Now, as a gentle reminder to our listeners, this podcast is not a substitute for any mental health consultation and only serves to spread awareness. But if you know anyone or you yourself have any concerns over your mental health, you may visit us at mindcareclub.org to book an appointment with any of our first step providers. And as usual, if you'd like to learn more on today's most relevant issues on mental health and wellness, I encourage you to follow the MindCare podcast on Spotify and our other social media handles on Facebook and Instagram at MindCare Club. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Bye!